Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. It is my distinct <laughs> pleasure <laughs> to introduce my wife, Prophet Leslie, for the fantastic topic of why obey. Being, why That's being, why I'm doing this. Oh obey, her favorite word. No, it's not my favorite word. I obey. <laughs> so she's going to talk about obey today. <laughs> Would you pray for me to have the anointing since it was thrown on my Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Randy, get up here and pray for me. All these people on YouTube are watching this. Oh, right Lord. <laughs> Lord, I love this woman. I really do. <laughs> What's wrong with you? He's about to turn 68. He's senile now. <laughs> but now I have an excuse. Lord, we ask your anointing from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Yes, Lord God. We ask you to help her to say the right words, not only to say the wrong words, and help her to obey you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't have to obey Stan, though, right? You know, when you get married, you know, love, honor, and obey, they say. The wife is to love, honor, obey, you know? Mm. That O-B-E-Y. I wouldn't even say the word for a long time. It's O-B-E-Y. I don't like obey. I don't like that word. And, you know, for the, really, as uh, human beings, we just don't like that word, really. You know? We just don't. It's because it goes against our flesh. And we have to do things we don't want to do. Uh, we have to change our personality, change our character, change our life, change so many things. So obedience, but to God, is very, very important. So you know, in the scriptures, in the King James Bible, there are 66 verses with the word obey. Obeyed, there's 41 verses. Obedience, there's 12. Obedient, there's 16 verses. Obeyest is 2. Obeyeth is 3. And obeying is three. So that's 143 scriptures that talks about some form of obedience. So you should be able to see that's an important word to God. And we as, you know, flesh and bones, we don't like it. But we are supposed to obey the voice of the Lord. We're supposed to do that according to his word, according to his voice. <clears throat> In uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 25. That's 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 25, if you'd like to follow along or take notes. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, there's so many things that we do in life. We sacrifice things, but God says that, Obey is better than even sacrificing, whether it's sacrificing our ties, sacrificing our time, uh, sacrificing um, different, just different aspects in everyday life. But obey, to be obedient, is better. You know, Stan and I went to, um, well, let me finish these scriptures and I'll go back there. Then it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So the opposite of obedience is rebellion. So remember those days and those times and those hours and those minutes and those moments that you may know God's saying you need to obey, you need to be obedient to me, and you're going off on a flesh desire, 
you're committing adultery, excuse me, you're committing, yes, you're committing adultery to the Lord, but you're also committing rebellion, which is, is the sin of witchcraft. So you not only just, just disobeyed him, but you were doing some kind of form of witchcraft. And then 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment, commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. So here we see this man, he's confessing. He's confessing that he, he listened to the people and he followed along with their idolatry ways instead of the Lord. And so he says, please, you know, pardon my sin. And that's what we need to do, too. We need to say, Lord, forgive us of the times that we are not being obedient to you. Forgive us of the times when we are, we know that we're doing wrong. Forgive us of the times that we are, um, uh, you know, committing some kind of sin. Cleanse us, right? We need to be cleansed every day. It's not an easy thing. And obedience is not an easy thing. And it's not sure, for sure something that's not like. And what I was going to say a minute ago is that, um, you know, when you get married, you know, they, do, they do put in there most of the time the scripture, or they don't put a scripture because it's really the wives to obey the husbands. It's scripturally, it really says the wives to submit to the husband. And I'll talk about that here in just a minute. But most of the time, if you go to some Christian marriage, you're going to hear, you know, to honor, love, honor, and obey the husband, the wife is, Right. Well, um, if we didn't want to get married so bad, we would probably run out the door going, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's usually where there's fights, first fights that start in a home is because of that word obey. And um, Sam and I, we were going to go, so somebody paid for us to go to this um, marriage retreat, Christian marriage retreat. So we hadn't been married but just a couple years and decided, okay, that should be good. That'd be fun. And we could get to stay in this little cabin and we'll really, uh, you know, just enjoy the weekend and get some good teaching. We weren't in the ministry or anything then. So we decided we would go do that. Well, when you know, the devil came in just a couple of days before we were supposed to go. And so the fighting began. Yeah, Stan and I have arguments every while. We had disagreements every once in a while. He has points that he has to learn. So that's really what that is, right? <laughs> you know, you're not on the your microphone's not on, but if you <laughs> even if they don't hear me, they still hear me. They understand. All right, so we were going to go to this um, well marriage um, just getaway, and here's some good teachings and things like that. Well, the devil came in, and so there was a fighting going on, and I'm leaning so far on my door, head bat out the window, as far away as I could get from this man. Don't want to be close to him. He is as close to his door, not wanting to talk to me, and we're just like focused, just looking down the street, or actually my head's looking out the window, because I'm not even... Iceberg, huge iceberg in the car. And I mean, it was, it was really horrible. So we get in there, and the very first... Um, uh, I guess the session, we get there and this man, he goes, he goes, today, tonight I'm going to talk on uh, wives obeying your husband. Oh my gosh. Wives submit to your husband. I thought, no, I did not come here to hear this. Surely I didn't come here to hear this. I hate that word and I don't like submit much better. Yeah, the obey word. It's just, it really makes me want to just gag. So I, um, I sat there just because I didn't want to make a spectacle of myself. And so I sat there and began to listen. 
And this man, this Christian man, the speaker, he starts saying, now, wives, I don't want you to be concerned with the word obey or submit. Because I'm going to talk to you men for a little bit. And I went, okay, my ears are perking up a little bit more. And he goes, you know, if your husband is asking you to do something that's against the word of God, then you don't need to obey. And you don't submit. You don't do that. Because that's then being disobedient to God. Right? Also, if, you know, husbands, if you are using that, you must submit to me. You must obey me because, you know, I'm a Christian man and it says you need to obey me. You need to submit to me. And he goes, you're doing it the wrong way. Submission actually is a very, should be a very safe place for the woman. And I was like, ears are getting a little bit bigger. Like, okay, I'm listening. And I'm hoping Stan is listening. So he says, like, so he goes, because, you know, the, the, yes, it is true. The man is the head of the woman in the home, but it should be a safe place. And if she's not feeling that safe place, then you're using submission as manipulation. I was like, okay, I like this guy, right? I like him. And I'm going to listen to what else he has to say. And then he goes on, and I've said this story many times, but it kind of is fitting for right now. And he says, and by the way, men, if you defiled that woman that you love so much, that is your, you know, life partner, your wife, if you had sex with her before marriage, then you need to repent and ask forgiveness tonight. Because what you don't know is that you caused such an anger in her heart that she doesn't even know where that anger is coming from. And if you will ask forgiveness, then she will change. She'll be able to trust you. But you've caused her to be, undefi caused her to be defiled. And God says that the marriage bed is supposed to be undefiled. It's supposed to be kept holy. Went on to talking like that, and we were saying, okay. So then it came time for a break. And, um, you know, he had a lot of wisdom <clears throat> to what he was saying. And so I started to get up. And we were going to walk out and go get a little snack or something. And I stood up and Stan pulls me, pulls my arm, pulls me back down. And I'm thinking, here we go again. <laughs> and I turn and I look at him and he's like, and he's got tears running down his cheeks. And he goes, he goes, I said, don't we need to go? And he goes, no, not until I do this. He goes, Leslie, forgive me. He goes, I defiled you before God, before man, before you know, for you, I, I, I had sex with you outside of marriage. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please, please forgive me. I was not obedient to Christ and along those lines. And I, I started to say, oh, that's okay. I was part of this too, right? I couldn't get it out because that's a, and I couldn't. And I just burst into tears, started crying. And um, I got healed immediately. I mean, there was, there was like an anger came up out of my heart. I did, again, I did not know where it was coming from, why I had that towards this man. So, you know, obedience is so important. And that's why, um, you know, it's not easy. Flesh makes you want to do things that you should not do. And especially, you know, before marriage and you're, you say, well, I'm just committed to them. It's surely it's okay. And God is saying it's not okay. You know, he has his laws and his reasons for a purpose and a plan and just something like that will cause such a hurt such an anger in that woman because 
you as a man should have been the one protecting her, not the other way around. If you're supposed to be the stronger vessel, then you need to be the stronger vessel. Let her be that weaker vessel. So when we through the, the weekend, we got closer together, closer together, right? I'm getting healed. He's getting healed. And on the way back, I'm sitting as close to this man as I can sit. He's sitting as close to me. And keeps pecking me like a little, you know, kiss on the cheek all the way back. And I'm like, this was a great trip. <laughs> but it's a, you know, it's a miracle we even made it because we so many times said, well, it's just not going to go. You know, it was just, but the devil just came in to keep us from, from being healed. Um, so obedience to God is so important. Obedience to his word, obedience to his statutes, his laws, all those kinds of things are so, so important. And not just obeying like this, you know, Saul did, obeying man, you know, and, and committing, the people were committing adultery before God. And so he, you know, he was repenting. Um, in Romans six sixteen through 23, Romans 6, 16 through 23. And while you're turning there, you know, um, we don't, we don't learn obedience just overnight. It is a lifelong journey. And it's a, it's a process that we do have to practice daily. Setting aside our flesh, right? Um, following the cross. But we need to make it our goal. You know, make it your goal today that starting tomorrow or starting this afternoon that you're going to be um, working on being obedience and obedience to God and his word. That means not just be hearers of his word, but doers also. So those kinds of things are important. So Romans 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. When you are obeying uh, those that are over you, um, you are really doing this as unto righteousness. We're supposed to strive for righteousness in our life. And when we know, for example, we know morals. We know these are good morals, these are bad morals. And when we, when we strive to do those things that are righteous before God, then that becomes being obedient to him. It becomes easier every day. Like I said, it's a lifelong journey. We're not there yet because we are not as holy as the Lord and will never will be, even though there's some stupid, stupid religions out there that try to say you are a God or a little God. You know, no, you're not. You have a long ways to go to be in that way. 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. He said, but God be thanked that you were servants of sin. And that's where we all are. We are servants of sin. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're, a, you know, preacher or apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist. Doesn't matter whether uh, you just come to church on Sunday, sit in the pew. You know, these kinds of things, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter where you are in the spectrum, what part of the body you are. Are you the eye, the hand, the foot, the toe? Doesn't matter where you are in that, but when you obey from the heart that, that God delivers it to you, unless, in other words, it's his word, then you were servants of sin, but now you're not. In verse 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants unto uncleanness, and to iniquity, and to iniquity. 
Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness. And I'm going to say on this verse 19, when it talks about, there's probably other interpretations of this, and that's fine. But when you yield your members, that means yielding, for example, um, the sexual organs, okay? When you yield yourselves, uh, if you yield it to uncleanness, if you're, if you're being disobedient to God, then you're going from iniquity to iniquity to iniquity. But if you will be obedient and work this out through your life, make it your goal every day, then you're going to righteousness and then to holiness. And it makes such a difference in how you feel about yourself, how you present yourself, how others see you, because there becomes a countenance about you that's pure. There becomes, there becomes a countenance about you that's holy, and people are drawn to that. They're like, I wonder why, you know, what she has that I don't have, or he, what he has that I don't have. And you want to be drawn, because out there, even from, from brothers and sisters of Christ, you want to be, them to be drawn to you, because we need to know who we are and who they are, right? But also those unbelievers, you want them to be drawn and go, what do you have that I don't have? And when you are obedient, and especially in the sexual sins, God will reward you very righteously. Um, verse 21, what fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit into holiness and in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when you set aside these things that are keeping you from striving to be holy before God, striving to be righteous before God, just know that when sin comes in, it says the wages of sin is death. So we have to turn from those things. We have to be obedient. Can you turn it cooler in this, please? In 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16. No, the air conditioner. Can you turn it cooler? Sorry out there if y'all are cold. Just get you a blankie or something. Or wives scoot closer to your husbands. The day's the day to love them and be obedient. <laughs> First Peter one fourteen: As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. <clears throat> As obedient children, you know we we um, we want our children to be obedient to us, right? Uh, we want our dogs, right, stand to be obedient to us. You know, you teach them what it means to obey. Um, we want our cats. No, cats have their own. They don't, nobody owns a cat. Never mind. No, take out that word cat. Uh, but we have, you know, just in life, you know, the teachers want their, you know, their, their students to be obedient, right? It just makes life a lot better. <laughs> and right now, unfortunately, in our society, some things are coming into the school that not teaching obedience, not teaching holiness, or not teaching righteousness. And I'm just praying for our children, Christian children, that they'll see through these lies and not, not be formed in the, in the unrighteous and ungodly ways. But anyway, so you're in a, you should be a, an obedient child of God. Again, that obey word, it's not something that we like, but we saw from the, what I said earlier that obedience or being obey, obeying is very important to God. And the reason it's important, one of the reasons, is that it's a protection for you, right? It's a protection for you. 
Just like women to submit to their husbands or those in leadership above you, like the church. You know, here is like Stan and I, you know, Lucy, we are like parents to you. So if you're obedient to the words that we speak, unless there's something that's very immoral, um, it's best for you to be obedient to those things because then it's going to be a protection for you, right? So it's actually a safe place, even though flesh may not want it sometimes. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Oh, now I got to watch what words I say. Oh, now I got to watch the conversations I'm in. I don't care if you yell at the TV. Well, I do stand. I do care. But I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like I don't. I don't care what in in all manner of. Con- in other words, he wants you to make sure all your conversations. All manner of conversations, right, are to be holy. All, A-L-L, all. We don't like that word either. All or obey. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Jesus is our example. In Genesis 22, 7. Genesis 22, 7 through 18. This is a prime example of being obedient and trusting God. See, when you're obedient and you're trusting the Lord and you're trusting and have faith in him that he's not going to lead you astray, he's not going to forsake you, he's not going to leave you, um, you know, again, it's not just doing something you want to do. Like, for example, I had, um, this just came to mind, I had somebody one time tell me that they were, uh, God told them to go to, to India and to walk in all of the the shrines there and, uh, you know, all the, the, what else you call them, the temples there and all that kind of stuff and, and spiritually just destroy them in the spirit realm. I'm like, all right, how did God talk to you about that? Well, I just, you know, it's just in my heart. I think that I should go do that. I said, you go do that, you probably won't come back alive. I mean, you are fighting a battle that's not yours to fight. That's already been designated and devoted and proclaimed to the devil. And that's what they want. So don't be so foolish and think of yourself so righteous enough that you can just walk into a Muslim temple or a Hindu temple or something like that and, you know, just pull down strongholds because it's not going to work. This guy went anyway. He wasn't obedient because as a prophet of God, I said, you're not supposed to go do that. He went anyway, and he was, he, I think, Stan helped me, but before he, right after he landed, he, he, his, his back hurt so bad he was just on his back the whole time he was there. So much pain. Had to get flown back, and this has been several years ago, but I had heard that he still was not healed. So when you go into a shrine, if you go into a temple, if you step foot in there, guess what you did? You just honored their God. Because they're not going to let you walk in with your shoes on. So if you take your shoes off, that's, an, that's being honoring their God. So by you submitting, by taking your shoes off, you just honored their God. So who are you to think you're so righteous to go in there and tear it down? Ain't going to happen. I mean, I know as Christians, we don't like to hear that. We think we're so, you know, powerful and so righteous enough that we can just go wherever we want to go and tear down those strongholds and the place is going to come tumbling to the ground. Okay, first of all, you're in a country 
that worships and, and prays to another god, right? Now, if you're in your, you know, own area, if you're in a conference or something like that, and you're able to speak about Jesus, that's different. But if you're going to go to their temple or their shrine thinking that you're going to have victory there, you're not going to have victory. I know that when um, Stan and I, one time when we were in um, Israel, and this was before that they closed the um, Muslim temple or the temple, the, the dome, Dome of the Rock. Um, so we, were, we had a tour with us. We were tour host, and we're walking around up there by the Dome of the Rock. And some people wanted to go in there and just kind of, because curiosity will get us, right? We want to see what they do in there. We don't need to see what they do in there. We know what they do in there. They worship another God. Why do you want to go see that? So we're saying you should not go in there and don't take your shoes off. But, you know, you can't control people, right? They were not obedient to the leaders. And we're trying to explain why you don't do that. So some of them, they took their shoes off, went in there. Some people got sick. I mean, it's not, impo it's, it's not important enough to go walk into their and, and be honorable to their God. You, you take your shoes off, you're honoring their God. So it's important to understand that. Getting back to Abraham and Isaac. Remember the story. So we have Abraham that's trusting God so much that God's, you know, telling him that you're supposed to sacrifice your son. Now, all of us that have children, even those of us that don't, but you love children, you're like, I can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't do this. But what God is really saying through this message to us is not that, you know, I want you to go kill your child. Is what he's saying is, I want you to love me more. Love me more than your child. Love me more than your wife, more than your husband, more than anything. More than the TV, more than food. You are to love me more than anything. That's being obedient, right? But, our, but the storyline goes along, and uh, Abraham is, come on, son. Come on up here. <laughs> Lay down on here on this altar. I'm going to tie you up, right? And just at that moment that, you know, an angel appears and says that, you know, you don't call out of heaven, not just once, but twice to let him go. And verse 16 says, and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, in other words, because you have done this thing, you have, you have learned to love me more than anything, anything on this earth. You've loved me more. And have not withheld my son, thy son. He's going to bless you. So if you, if you are obedient to Christ, laying down those fleshly desires above all, le learning to love him more, praying to him more, following his word more, spending time with him more, then he says, I will multiply the seeds as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." He just told you, because of your submission, because of your obedience, you are going to be able to overtake the enemy. Did he just say that? So, I see, just a second. So, he's going to multiply your blessings, and you're going to have the strength to possess the gate of the enemy. 
because you have said, I love you more. And the only way you can do that is find out who he is. The only way you can do that is make a decision. Right? That's another one of those words we don't really like. The decision in the right way is obedience. Yes, Stan? The point that I need to make there is that please notice that God did not make Adam kill his son. Because no, the Moloch and the Baal worship, that's what they do. They kill not only their children, but their worship to their God is murder, is killing people, shedding their blood. This is where uh, the drug cartels, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, all comes in because these people believe in killing people to worship their God, Moloch and Baal. That's not what God is asking here. He was just trying to get Abraham to show him <laughs> that he loved God more, more than, than his, his only begotten son. And that's, you know, and it's just an example of what, you know, Jesus did for us, right? And then verse 18 says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Obeyed. Again, it's so important if we, if we have that word, it's we obey. Excuse me, I have some other notes here. I think I need assistance up here, Brandon. I need him to help me here. Sorry, I'm trying to get as organized as I can. Okay. All right, thank you. Thanks. All right, so a turn to First Thessalonians four one. First Thessalonians four one. So when you're obedient, this means that you are presenting a life that's pleasing to God. It says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. In other words, you know, he's saying, This is how you ought to walk, this is how you ought to talk, this is what you need to do, and when you do, you're gonna go go please God, but you're going to bound more and more and more. Now, we're going to get to another spectrum here on the word obedience. When there's disobedience in the church, when there's those that are deciding that they are above the, the head pastor, the head apostles or something like that, people will come in and they'll stir up and they'll cause division. God warns us about division in the church. Because we all think that we can do it better, right? And my, my um, philosophy is, and I believe it's the right philosophy, if you see something that you don't like, something that I say, that I teach, that I do, then go study it out for yourself. And, pray, and if you're receiving something different, then pray and say, God, show me what they're saying. Show me what they're saying. Or, Lord, if I'm right on this, then show them. That's how it should be. There shouldn't be division. It should not cause a split, right? I mean, you know, here at this church, Spirit of Prophecy Church, we say some right in-your-face type of messages, and I understand. You know, I know that, you know, stands at being Bible prophecy, so it's kind of in-your-face. I'm big on calling the church to um, correction uh, because that's what God has really called me to do. 
wasn't a chosen choice of mine. <laughs> I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to have a lot of friends. So, <laughs> but unfortunately, truth, right? Truth hurts, right? And it really does. Truth hurts. But somebody doesn't like somebody what they say behind the pulpit. And instead of checking it out for themselves and praying for that leader, which is the right thing to do, it causes division, causes church splits. Or Leslie, I just, you know, I've heard people say, well, she's just, I wish she'd just sit down and shut up. I'm not shutting up. I'm going to be obedient. <laughs> right? And I still, that's where I have to get. I, Leslie has to get where I'm going to be obedient to do what God's told me to do more than what whether y'all like it or not out there or wherever that doesn't like my personality. Yeah, I don't like it sometimes too. But <laughs> I don't know if they heard that, but it just yelled out, we love you, Leslie. Love you, All right, there we go. You know, Stan goes, people at the Crusades and stuff, people, always, they love you, Leslie. And I'm like, because I make them say it. <laughs> I make them say, tell me you love me. Yeah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10, 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know, here as Christians, we're supposed to be united, and we're not. We are divided. There's a lot of denominations out there. Uh, there's a lot of wrong teachings, good teachings, right teachings, but we're so divided because we're wanting to, they're wanting to do by uh, different versions of the Bible. You know, that's why the best one we can figure out is King James, and you can, you can fight against that. That's okay. But I'm telling you that these and the thys and the thous are important. So it's not something to just be taken out. And I promise you, if you start teaching the children, if they hear the word these and the thous and the those, those type of words, it doesn't bother them. It's because man came in to try to change it, say it's going to be easier for you to read, or they had the, the, uh, the living standard Bible, and so it's just fluff words, you know, so that it'll make you feel good. Well, I'm not about feeling good. I'm about finding out what the word says so I can change to be more like Christ. I don't want to be, continue to be more in the flesh. And that's what some of these versions out there do. I remember we were doing, um, we taught, Stan's always taught Bible study on Friday nights, whether it was in our house or at a church, once we started the churches, once we got in the ministry. And um, we were just studying one night, and he had on his Bible years, this is years and years and years ago, but uh, had on his uh, computer, he pulled up the Bible. We were doing a little study, just he and I, and he pulled up the Bible. And on one side of the Bible, um, in the computer, on the program, had King James Version, and on the other side had NIV. And so he's reading along, and I'm, I'm just kind of following along on the NIV, and it starts talking about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ. And I said, that's not in here. They, took, they totally took out the blood of Jesus for the remission of sins. Totally took it out. So then we started looking further and like, oh my goodness, Stan, this was before Prophecy Club. This was before people came in and, and shared the truth about this. It was, it was before that. So we were already starting to see there's something wrong. So that's why we say don't study by the NIV. Don't memorize the NIV. 
you know, when you, when Stan, when, for example, when he memorizes, he's so much better at than me. When, when you memorize the word of God, he says, you know, when you're memorizing the these and the thous, it's so important. It helps you to be able to memorize the scripture better. And also when you quote it, that's Bible to people's ears, right? It's not just words of good sounding words to somebody's ears. If you, if you try to quote from the NIV or some other version. When you're quoting from the King James, they're like, that's the word of God. That's Bible, right? Um, I remember Bill Schneblin, great man of God. He was great in deliverance and that kind of thing. He says, you know, he says, if you try to cast out devils using those other versions, they laugh at you. The devils will laugh at you. They'll mock you. But you cast out you know, using King James verses and the word of God, the only version to use, you know, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out and you use the scripture, like scripture, like that woman that had the spirit of infirmity, he commanded her to get to come out of her. And if you quote that scripture from the King James, it's going to come out. Right? So that's being obedient. It's not about, well, I can't understand it. Yes, you can. You've allowed the devil to lie to you. You've allowed the devil to lie to you, thinking that you can only ring, read NIV or some of those other perverted versions instead of the King James when it's so important. And the more you read it and ask the Lord to help you to understand anyway, that's how we should start reading our Bible anyways. Lord, help me have clarity. Help me to have understanding of your word. He does. So it is important to have the King James. It very, it, so I kind of got off there, sorry. But I do believe that... Um, that is part of obedience. I really do. Still, I, I really do believe it's part of obedience. Obedience is behavior that's respectful and mindful of rules and laws. Now, we don't always like the, the rules and the laws. Uh, Sharana, can you go to the back door for me? We don't always like the rules and the, the laws of, of um, our government <laughs> right now. For example, don't want to be do, doing that. But there is a respectful way to do it. I mean, it's not, I mean, we aren't supposed to be obeying the devil. I know that. But, you know, um, we are to be respectful and mind, be mindful of the rules and laws. Um, parents, teachers, cops all appreciate obedience. And people demonstrate obedience when they follow the law. And kids show, stand, don't go back there. Don't go back there. It's a celebration of his birthday today, so I'm telling him to not go back there. Obey me. <laughs> People demonstrate obedience when they follow the law. The kids show obedience when they obey their parents and their teachers. So that means, and yes, and so Stan says to tell y'all he obeyed me just now. Praise God. So obedience is a respectful place to be. We don't want to do it many times, but it's just a respectful place. All right, another thing. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. No, 1 through 4, excuse me. Proverbs 3, 1 through, 1 through 4. No, just 1 and 2. <laughs> and she's not back there. So just follow along in your Bible. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. In other words, he's telling us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So when we follow the, the Ten Commandments, when we're obedient to follow his words, his laws, 
and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and so forth and so on. He will add days to our life. Now, how many want to say I've been obedient? So I have days added to my life. Um, in John 14, 15, also it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right? Now, some people say, well, we're just a New Testament church, so we're only going to follow what the, the, the Bible says from, you know, um, not Genesis. We're going we're gonna to start, you know, we're just going to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's not the whole Bible, folks. So you can't just wrap up the Ten Commandments into, if you love me, keep my commandments. You've got to know what those commandments are. And the way you know what those commandments are is you've got to know the Old Testament. Right? So it's Genesis to Revelation. He didn't just give us the New Testament or to give you, like some of the Catholics do, their own, their own version. Right? Uh, you could say, yep, amen, yes, preach it, Leslie, something, tell me. Tell me you love me. <laughs> um, in Deuteronomy 11, and you don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 11, 26 to 28, it pretty much sums it all, sums it all up. It says, obey, you'll be blessed, and disobey, you'll be cursed. Now, if you're only studying from the New Testament on, you're not going to know that. You're not going to know those things you're supposed to be obedient on. Actually, I wrote a book. Uh, can you go get me Crown of Glory book for me? I wrote a book called Crown of Glory. And, um, and actually, it talks about in that book, yes, the, the crowns that we'll receive. It is appearing. But also talks about, I think, spiritual crowns that we can receive now. But in that book, and people are real interested in that because they're like, oh, you know, crowns for me. Well, some of these crowns that you'll get is because you have to be obedient to things. And, um, and you have to know what does it mean to be obedient. You have to know about his laws and his statutes and why they're for us. So if you don't have this book, or there's also a DVD on it, I encourage you to go to Prophecy Club and order this book called um, Crown of Glory. This, is, this crown that you see on this book was um, what I saw when I got... Um, Anointed in the as a prophet by other prophets and apostles over my life, and I saw a crown just look just like this come up on my head, and I went slaying the spirit. I don't know, a long time, hour, a long time, and that had never happened again. But it was like a download. I knew several books I was to write, and one of them was to be called Crown of Glory. So I encourage you to get that. It's it, it'll it'll be wow, kind of one of those things in your book. Yeah, it talks about crowns, but it talks about being obedient. really talks about how being obedient to his laws and his statutes. A lot about sexual sins. Do you know the reason that, that uh, countries, even in the Old Testament, were destroyed? It's because of sexual sins. So we need to kind of look at, you know, the, that we have so many problems in this country. And it's, if you look at the root of it, you probably find out it's because of sexual sins. It's why this country's in such a problem. Because the church hasn't taught about sexual sins. Right? They haven't taught about them from the pulpit. Because we don't want to cause division. We don't want to cause people to be upset at us. We want those offerings and those tithes to keep coming in. You know, God's our sustainer. I would rather teach the truth. So be obedient. 
Find out what his laws and his statutes are. Um, Jesus tells us to obey. Obedience is also an act of worship. He tells us, you know, um, well, I don't know, I guess it kind of, his word kind of tells us to do this. But when we praise and worship our God, when we give him our whole being, that's being obedient. Because you step outside of yourself and you're only looking to him. You know, I used to dance before the Lord all the time. I was, I was always choreographing something as a child, always. As I got close to the Lord, I know why that natural ability was to me um, to choreograph dances before him. I did it for many, many years. I saw people delivered. I saw them set free. I saw them healed. Uh, I saw people come running and repenting to uh, the altar because of it. So when you give it your all, it's an act of worship, and obedience then is something you love. Remember, obedience is a safe place. Obedience is a good place. It's not something that you should run away from. You should strive for it. And so as much as I don't like or didn't like that word O-B-E-Y, it becomes much easier when you understand in his word that it's a protection. And also I'll leave with this. God rewards obedience. Over and over and over again, we read in the Bible that God blesses and rewards obedience. In Genesis 22:18 says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And then um, Luke eleven twenty eight, But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of the Lord and keep it. Don't just listen to his word. You must be obedient and do what it says. Because if you don't, then you're just fooling yourself, and you'll be in a slippery slope of decline. Well, God bless. I hope that you gained a lot from this teaching on obedience. I really encourage you, those online here, to find out what God wants you to do to be more obedient to him. You know, seek his word, seek his face, get closer to him, worship him, and allow those blessings to come instead of curses to come your way. God bless. Amen. <laughs> Good morning. I hope the air conditioner is working where you are. I think it's working in here. I'm, maybe I'm just having a hot day. I don't know. Uh, welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. We love the Lord here. And we want to train and equip uh, the saints of God to do the work of the ministry. We do conferences. We do crusades. So I encourage you to become a member. And you can, you can sign up. You can click at the bottom of the page and also just sign up to be a member. I uh, encourage you to sign up for the Watchman's Trumpet for the fasting and prayer. That's the 48 hours, September 6th through the 8th. encourage you to sign up. There is a cost of $25. Um, we ask, that's just a donation, but we ask that you uh, pay that to, also to come. Now, there is great expense, unfortunately, that goes with these things. So that won't cover it, as you can probably figure out. But it's important that you commit and so we encourage you to go to watchmanstrumpet.com or the Prophecy Club and sign up for the Watchman's Trumpet for the September Solemn Assembly, which is September 6th through the 8th. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, here at our, at our church, many of us will be there. And if you're willing, if you've been to the one last year and you're willing to participate and help, please call the office, the Prophecy Club office, and let them know. A few quick announcements. Um, 
There is, uh, we still need help for Cambodia. Some of the uh, old used phones that still work or tablets or even uh, iPads or laptops. And you can mail those to Spirit of Prophecy Church, 1719 Angel Parkway, number 222, Allen, Texas, 75002. Encourage you to do that. Um, and Bible study will resume September the 10th. Um, prayer request, just shout them out to me. Anybody have a prayer request for somebody in here? I know, Bill, you had a praise report last a week ago. You were in the hospital. Happy to see you here. To God be the glory. Um, hallelujah. I know that, you know, Priscilla is doing better. And so there's, you know, there's power in our prayers, power in our prayers for people. I had a friend that was dying from COVID and he's healed. He's great. He's doing fine. So praise the Lord on that one. And yes, sir. Jalen. Jalen. So Jalen, he was raised Christian, but now is turned atheist. So, Jalen, we call you back in the name of Jesus. We call you back to the kingdom. We speak to you right now in the name of Jesus. There's no distance in the spirit realm. And we say, whatever the hurt is that you received from somewhere along the way, we stand in a gap and we ask you to forgive those, those ministers, those pastors, or whoever hurt you to make you just think that you didn't want to be a Christian anymore. So we cancel that plan and attack of the enemy, and we call you back in where there's truth. Because the truth will make you free. The truth will cleanse you. The truth will, will set you apart. Will bless you. So we call you back into the kingdom. And for others that are watching this also. In the name of Jesus. You may have loved ones. Or friends or family members. Where they left Christianity. Call them back in. Pray for them. And call them back in. In the name of Jesus. There's power in your prayers. And you don't give up. You don't give up to that last breath you take. You don't give up. And you write it down, you know, write down what your, your heart's desires are for your friends and family and loved ones and make a declaration, make a declaration that they're healed, they're delivered, they're set free, they've come back to Christ and that they're going to lead a Christian life. So we call them back right now for others that are praying this too in the name of Jesus. We agree with you that are watching on live stream and we also agree here in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Say it bold in this church. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's stand. Let's get our service going this morning. We want to pray. Pray for the anointing to be in here. Just, just raise our hands, bow our heads. That just so submission unto the Lord. It also means you're free. And those of you who are watching online, stand up from your couch. Don't just sit there with your arms raised. Just stand up. Be honoring God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy. And we thank you so much that we can humbly come. Humbly before your throne. And say how much we love you. We ask that you anoint this service this morning. Anoint the sound. Lord, anoint the praise and worship. Anoint our hearts. And Lord, let us help us set aside every heavy weight off of us in the name of Jesus. And look only to you. 
focus only to you. Lord, we do. We give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you for anointing the service, the message. We love you. We love you. You love the Lord in here. We love you, Lord. Declare you love him. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll turn it over for praise and worship. Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. We're already standing. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give it all to you now through praise and worship. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. For you alone are worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy to be praised. Come on, here we go. Come on, let's get free of this place. Hallelujah, come on. Mama, magnify. Mama, magnify. Magnify Jesus. Come on, here we are. Love and Savior. Magnify, love and Señor. Magnify the Lord. Love and Cristo. Magnify, love and Señor. Magnify the Lord. Porque les digo. Yes, He's worthy. Porque les digo. Yes, He's worthy. Porque les digo. For He's worthy to be praised. Magnify, magnify the Lord. Hallelujah, magnify Jesus. Come on. Magnify the Lord. For He is worthy. Hallelujah, but he is worthy. Hallelujah, but he is worthy to be praised. To be praised. I love our Cristo, magnify. I love our Señor, magnify the Lord. I love our Cristo. Magnify, love and Señor. Magnify the Lord for He is worthy. Hallelujah, for He is worthy. Yes, You're worthy. He is worthy. Yes, You're worthy to be praised. To be praised. Who is this King of glory, beautiful and matchless one? Yes, you are. Who is this King so holy, every knee will bow at his throne? 
Jesus, the Lamb of God, my Savior and King. You alone are worthy of our praise forever. You alone are seated on the throne of heaven. Glorify. Glorify you alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who is this King of mercy? Wonderful and full of grace. Hallelujah. Who is this King so worthy? fear and kingdoms praise oh Jesus the Lamb of God my Savior and King you alone are worthy of our praise forever you alone are seated on the throne of heaven glorify glorify you alone for you alone are worthy of our praise forever you alone seated on the throne of heaven glorify glorify you alone you are the king that saves us powerful and full of love you are the king that gave us life with every drop of your blood thank you lord jesus the lamb of god my savior worthy of our praise forever you alone are seated on the throne of heaven glorify glorify you alone hallelujah thank you lord you alone are worthy of our praise forever you alone are seated on the throne of heaven glorify we glorify you alone for you alone for you
you came down from heaven's throne this earth you formed was not your home a love like this the world had never A crown of thorns to mock your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face. A love like this the world had never known. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the altar of our praise. Let there be no higher name than Jesus, Son of God. Thank you, Lord. You lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. You took our sin you bore our shame you rose to life you defeated the grave and a love like this the world has never known as you took our sin you bore our shame you rose to life, you defeated the grave, and a love like this, the world has never known. Hallelujah. On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name than Jesus, Son of God. Lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, my Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. Be lifted higher than all you've overcome. Your name be louder than any other. The song, there is no power that can come against your love. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. Lord, on the altar of our praise. Let there be no higher name than Jesus, Son of God. You laid down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God.
so worthy, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. If you just feel led to come to the altar, please do. of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus and we cry holy, holy holy we cry holy, holy holy come on, cry now we cry Feel the anointing come in if you just set aside those things. We fall Come on, lift up your voices. Get outside of you. Come on, lay them down. Of Jesus, the greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus.
Can you just sing that a cappella? Holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. And we cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. We cry holy, holy, holy. Is the Lamb. I was just really impressed on the Lord this morning that, um, and I believe what he's saying is that, you know, with this COVID, it became excuses to just stay home and to just be able to sit in your chair and to not fellowship with like believers. And you, I can hear some of them say, yes, but there's hypocrites at the church. And while that is true, you're being a hypocrite too if you don't join. The reason is, is that not man, no man is perfect. No man is perfect. No leader is perfect. No church leader is perfect. So we, including you, need to come and be a part, be a part of a, somewhere in your local community to be with like believers. Amen. They might not teach exactly how you like, so you pray. You pray for them. You need to not be the hypocrite. Maybe you've been hurt, like was said earlier. Some people get hurt by leadership. I've been hurt. I have been hurt by people watching at church. Am I going to be a hypocrite and just not come up here? I've had to, get, I've had to let self-centeredness leave me. Instead of just pulling the sheet over my head and staying in bed, which is what I'd like to do sometimes. God says that we have to be obedient. And that was the message this morning. And it's going to carry on over right now. Is that we have, we are, you know what's going to happen? If we don't fill up the churches, these churches are going to die. They're going to die. Because you're not tithing. You're not giving up your offerings. You're not doing the things that you know that you're supposed to do because while you're sitting in your chair. If you want the devil to come in and close everything up again, and I'm, spe I'm speaking specifically for these cities and these towns and these states that are opened up right now so we're not bound bound by these unlawful politicians out there but if you don't take a stand just like if you don't take a stand for america and come and lock arms and be with like-minded people who's the hypocrite if there's any way possible you need to come and be joined armed and arm and arm get up that united front so the enemy won't come through I know it's more comfortable to be there in your pajamas. I understand. And many of you are saying, I'll just start a church home. It'll fail. Because God has not called you to do that. It'll fail. Come and fill up the churches again. Pray for the leaders. You don't like something they're doing, pray for them. Don't you become that hypocrite just because you see others that are hypocrites in the church. And the reason you see hypocrites in the church is because we're not perfect. We are not perfect. Don't let self-centeredness be there. You're into self instead of promoting Christ when you're doing that. I know that's a word of correction. I'm not going to ask forgiveness for giving that word of correction because I'm, you know I'm telling you the truth. 
You know that I am. But you're going to cause church after church after church across this nation to die and close the doors because you're not being there with them and you're not supporting them. Come and be with like-minded people. Maybe you can be an asset to them. Lord, I love you so much. And I thank you that we can humbly come in here and say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have not been obedient to you, when we've allowed flesh to enter in, when we've allowed the hurts of the world to come in, when we've allowed the hurts of ministers to come in. Lord, forgive us for looking to them and not to you. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you cleanse us from our unrighteous thoughts, our unholy thoughts, and that we would seek and desire truth and help us to be a beacon of light where there is darkness. Lord, we do not want our churches to close again. We call them to stay open and running functionally in the name of Jesus. And Lord, continue to those church leaders, give them truth. Give them truth to speak and to minister to their people. And help those others to, that are even watching online to say, I've got to come to this September assembly. Lord, make a way. God will make a way. Lord, help me find that church to fellowship. It's not going to be perfect because there's not a perfect church. Help me be obedient and find that place to fellowship with like-minded people. We need each other. We need each other. And you need to know who you can call on to pray, to pray for you. So, Lord, I thank you that we can humbly ask forgiveness for not doing it right. And humbly ask that you forgive us for staying in our own little fleshly desires, watching right where we're sitting. Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory. And I thank you so much for your correction. We love you in Jesus' name. And all the church here said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Call up Melissa. And we're going to call up Melissa first. She can stay up here. Oh, no, you stay here. Leslie, the Lord has uh, chosen to honor not just Pastor Stan today, but you also. Um, I know that you're not completely surprised by what's happening here today. And if anyone knows how to surprise her, please let me know. <laughs> uh, when I first found out about this, I asked the Lord, is there any easier prophets? And he did not answer me. <laughs> so... Um, you're very different from other prophets that I've encountered. Um, all prophets have persecution, but you've gone through an unspeakable amount of resistance in your life. For years, and particularly from those who have befriended you and those that are even your closest supporters, 
You know, it takes a, a great deal of courage to be different. Jesus made himself of no reputation. And you have the ability to make a good name for yourself, but you continually do the will of the Father and lay down your life to speak to the benefit of other people. You have paid a bitter price for this message in your heart. When these people meet the Lord, the same message that they resisted, they will cling to. And you give them those garments. You give those garments without shame. And you do so with a smile on your face and so graciously. Your range is far beyond what I have witnessed by any other prophet. Uh, you can command the attention of the Lord in the room like a conductor to a symphony. And in fact, when you were prophesying the other day, I hid behind a chair. <laughs> uh, but you also take great care in what you say and how you do things and so that most people have no idea that you're even ministering to them when you're engaging with them. The vision that you had when you went to heaven and you saw the velvet material and the breathing rose, um, it's not only a vision, but it has become a testimony to your life. You wear a satin glove and uh, a velvet glove and bring that life touch to everything that you encounter. This rose that I give you is a symbol of that. I admire this quality in you and seek to know this perfect touch from the Lord. Prophet Leslie, when I first met you, I only knew about you what I read in books, but I've had the privilege to come to your home and to observe things from a different perspective. When I witness firsthand how you submit to your husband when he asks something of you, even when there is something testing you both, you have a real understanding and authority and do not take submission as any kind of threat, but you entreat it while at the same time you are an unshakable voice for women. You serve people out of your home, um, which on a regular basis has so many people coming in and out, it kind of looks like a fraternity party. <laughs> and uh, you seat yourself last at the table. You are a Proverbs 31 woman. You are a polished stone in the temple of our God. This ring that I place in your possession today is a ring that was given to me when I was only a child. It is a ruby in the shape of a heart, and it is a symbol of my recognition and desire to put away childish things and to become the woman that you are. Years ago, at a crusade in New Orleans, you sowed a seed uh, and dedicated my life to the Lord. That seed has returned today in the form of service, not just to the Lord, but to you also. That same prophet who is speaking on a Prophecy Club video when I got saved is the same prophet who ordained you. The reason why the Lord, uh, there's a reason why the Lord named you Pamela. Do you know what Pamela means? So Pamela means all honey, and my name, Alyssa, means honeybee, and honey has many symbols in the Bible, but it re directly refers to God's word 
And also today means that which is pleasing in the sight of God. So before God and those present today, I make a commitment to you. Let the sword fall upon me before it falls upon you. If there is any blame, let it be mine. If there is, let there be no distance between us. Now, this kind of anointing will attract the Jezebel spirit. And I make preparation for that today and lift up the name of God in this place. Even El Elyon, uh, the Lord the highest. And I declare that this ministry, Prophet Leslie and myself operate in the name of the Lord. Psalm 18.2, a high tower. I declare it safe, Psalm 18.3, from all attacks of Jezebel. And I ask the angels of the Lord, according to Hebrews 1.14 and Psalm 18.10, to act in obedience to the service of the Lord, to cast forth the spirit of Jezebel, to fall from this ministry's high tower when it enters. Let the person who acts as Jezebel be exposed plainly before this congregation for all to see, and let the hands and feet and the workings of this person be exposed clearly, and the spirit no more remain. In adoration to you, Lord, Psalm 18.1, I declare Psalm 18.7, before all creation and the heavenlies, that the earth is going to shake and the ground is going to quake at the prophetic voice that is going to come forth from this room. <clears throat> I have in this envelope uh, prophecies related to both of us because... What affects you affects me. And I recognize you, Prophet Leslie, as a very effective, fruitful woman of God and as a major prophet of the Lord. I request that you prayerfully consider this request to embrace me submitted to you in the prophetic as an Elijah to an Elisha. As surely as the Lord wills and as you live, I will not leave you. And the chair is yours. <laughs> I'll graciously accept it because it's pretty cool. She might not have wanted, really wanted to give it to me, but it's mine now, right? Now, thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. What do you say after that? But thank you, Lord. What do you say? Um, you know, the whole service this morning has been again I don't know what happened to it oh. there's a reason and a plan for me to even teach this morning on obedience right and so God has his way and then you know um, Melissa I mean you missed some of that coming in so you didn't know and then uh, just I mean I humbly humbly accept the word of the Lord that came from you. I humbly accept it. It's not easy. It's not easy. I'd rather give than receive any day. 
but I do humbly receive it, and I thank you for it. And what she said, I'm going to have everybody hold her accountable. She said, she'll never leave me. Y'all heard her say that, right? She'll never leave me. And um, that's part of the, and she's right, there's um, been others that have been trained. They've left and hurt and um, sacrificed. But like I said, you can't just cover up and just never go back. And I ha I'd be miserable if I didn't, if I was not being obedient to the Lord. Number one to me is to be obedient to him. Number one is his will. And, uh, and I know that I come across, like she said, I'm not like other prophets out there. I'm really not. Um, you know what I pray? You want to know a secret I pray? You want to know? I pray often. And this is going to sound, oh, it's probably going to sound to some like it's prideful, but it's not. Because it's the word of the Lord. But I pray often and have for years. It doesn't mean it's happened yet, but I'm looking for it. That I'm the most anointed prophet on this earth. I pray for his anointing. I love his anointing. And so, you know, I ask that y'all pray with me on that. Um, I can ask that. I can ask that. I can declare it from the word of the Lord. So, um, he's blessed me, and he's blessed me here on this earth. And um, I want to be a blessing to many, but not with fluff words. Not with words that you'll just like to hear. But the words that will change you, because they change me. Um, words that will challenge you, because they challenge me. So, um, God bless you, Melissa. And um, I'm going to have some other little Elishas running around. But um, I humbly accept you as Elisha. Praise the Lord. I don't know what else to say, but this has been a very big blessing to me. And um, uh, I just don't know what else to say. It's hard for me to get to a place where I can't say anything. But I do. Thank you. God bless each one of you. And thank you all for the church here and those watching online for um, you know, praying, praying for us. God bless. Can we pray for you? Yes, ma'am. You want to keep my chair up here? I don't know what to do. I don't know where. I, I've i never seen a chair, chair like that before. Everybody remember that. That's a, yeah. Where'd you get that chair? You know, like, Wow. What a chair. Can I really have that chair? Can I really have it? The Lord picked it out. I can see. Can you pick it up? I'm so glad. Solid that gold, right? <laughs> wow. That'll fit in my car. I'll take it home for you. Okay, thank you. To me. My house. <laughs> so when I wake up in the morning and she's sitting in that chair, I know I'm in trouble, right? Chair. Come home and she's sitting in her chair. I know I'm in trouble, right? Kind of beautiful. I'm mean, so much like my vision. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, it's not like Leslie. This is. I have black red ammo. Just say in Jesus' name and I'll take it from there. Anoint this man of God, Lord. Amen. And bring the message that you have laid on his heart. And open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. 
Help us to be obedient to your word and walk out changed. And help us to have understanding. And Lord, I thank you for anointing him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. In Jesus' name. I'm going to go sit in my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. When they see you split the the skies. When they see eternity enter into time. The heavens roll back like a scroll and out of that darkness comes the great and mighty Jesus. That's now no longer lamb, but now lion. No longer prince but now King of kings and Lord of lords, and has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of kings and Lord of lords. When they see the morning star hit the earth, and they see in a moment of time, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, when they see the tears fall to the ground in piles of ashes and bones, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father, And that's the reason the four beasts constantly say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and who is to come. And when the four and twenty elders, which sat on their seats, fell on their faces, and saying, We give thee thanks, Lord God Almighty, who art and was and art to come. For thou hast taken to thee thy great power and his reign, for the nations are angry. The time has come that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, unto the saints, and then that fear thy name. And Lord, while all of the other tribes of the earth shall mourn, we will rejoice. We will rejoice to be behind you riding white horses to all get our rewards in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory. And we thank you for the honor that you bestowed upon your prophet this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why is God continuing to tell this church about miracles? Why is God continuing to speak, not only to the Spirit of Prophecy Church, but to His church? Miracles. Why? You're supposed to be kind of filling in the blanks here. Why does he continue to talk about miracles? So that we can know the Bible because it's never going to come to pass in our lifetime or is it? Could it be that we're just around the corner? I don't know if it's weeks, months or years. I don't know, but I do know this. I know God is preparing this last generation, this generation that's about to see Jesus split the skies. But we're about to see the greatest move of God. O Lord, my strength and my refuge and my fortress in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come to thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there's no profit, and have made in themselves gods that are not gods. Therefore, this once, in 6,000 years of human history, this once, I will cause them my hand and my mind, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah. I will show them what I can do. 
and we get to be a part. It's like we're about two or three weeks or two or three months or two or three years, we don't know, before the upper room experience. We don't know. But I believe the upper room is about to arrive again, only it's going to be not double portion, sevenfold. And that's the reason he keeps having us talk about miracles today. And he spoke to me, Mark 9, no, we've not talked about this before. There's all new scripture to us. But we've talked about this before. He keeps pounding it into us to say, know my miracles. Believe my miracles. Believe my power. Spirit of Posse Church this morning, do you believe in the name of Jesus? I told you the story. I didn't walk out on that dock that day. I was afraid. I was scared. I was in another country. I didn't know what I was doing, and frankly, I didn't have the faith. But now I've seen. I saw what the name of Jesus does. Everybody knew that man was dead. He was gone. Not one, but two people gave up on the chest compressions. He wasn't breathing. We kept feeling for a pulse. We couldn't feel a pulse. Now, folks around us said it was only seven or eight minutes. To me, it felt like 20 or 25 minutes, but he was gone. Everybody quit. Everybody gave up. When I just gently laid my hands on him and I said, Lord, bring him back. And I didn't even get the word Jesus all out. In Jesus' name. I didn't get the word name. Because when I said, now, now all of a sudden his eyes go blinking, he takes a big breath, and he's alive. I'm telling you, Jesus has the power of life and death. He kills, he makes alive, he wounds, he heals, and no one can deliver out of his hand. He has the keys of hell and death. He decides who dies, when they die, how they die, who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. He is the righteous judge. And he is preparing his return on the earth. And he's about to sweep in the greatest revival in human history. And I want to be a part. Yes, amen. See, here's where we've been in America. We have been coming into church for a long time, sitting in the pew, reading our Bible, listening to our praise and worship. You know, all the things that normal American Christian does. But God is about to say, but God. God is about to hit this earth. He's telling us, believe in my name. Believe in my miracles. Walk out on that dock. Get ready to lay hands on people. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, yes, I'm ready. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just like saying, oh, I'll never take the mark of the beast. But wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not going to be that easy. We are about to move into a different world. I don't know how soon. I think it's soon. So he wants me to talk about Mark 9 today. He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there will be some that stand here shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. Thank you. Some of you got it. Was he talking to the disciples or was he talking to the disciples? 
I look for the day when Jason jumps out of that wheelchair, Justin, runs around doing cartwheels, jumping up and down, hollering and screaming, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. I look for that day. I don't know what other miracles he's going to do. I don't know. But I asked, see, I think that I was supposed to walk out on that dock because he was show, supposed to show me the power of his name that day. But since I failed that test and I failed that test, he gave me another chance. Why? Because I believe he's saying, Stan, if you'll just believe. He's saying to you, if you'll just believe. <laughs> I want to use you. I want to use you to lay hands on more people. Not just the, the lame and the halt, the blind, but even to people that are dead. Because he has the keys of hell and death. In his name is all power and glory. When he returns in all power and glory, he's preparing. And I don't think that there's anybody in this room that questions that probably... This generation is not going to pass till all these things be fulfilled. This is what he said in Matthew 24. The generation that sees Israel become a nation will not pass until all things be fulfilled. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to calculate, well, is the generation 20 years? Is it 40 years? Is it 70 years? Is it 90 years? Is it 100 years? Well, at the end of the day, it's anybody that was, had a beating heart when Israel became a nation, that generation is not going to pass until Jesus returns. So says Matthew 24. Amen. Well, how are we doing on that? Well, there's still some people alive that were still alive in, what, 1948? We got some time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He said, not much. Okay. So before we reach the end of time, we got the seven-year tribulation which is a time of testing. It's a time of great revival. Yes, there's going to be the mark of the beast. But remember, God told me that as the judgment hits, so are my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And you tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. I'm going to meet the devil. Entering step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. Meaning, when the two witnesses are down in the streets of Jerusalem, yes, they're there. But they're fighting against the false prophet and the beast up in the temple. In other words, as the devil's got two people here, God's got two people here. And it's going to be that way. And he's going to use you and I. You're not common people. He's preparing you. I know. You're thinking, well, not very many of us. Well, let me just tell you, when they start seeing the miracles come forth, they will start seeking you out. Is it true what I heard about you? What? What did you hear? He's saying to the Spirit of Prophecy Church, you're not going to taste death till you see the kingdom of God. Now, what, what is he talking about here? Here, he's saying, well, six days after, after this, so six days later, why six? Why six days? How many days are there to mankind? About six days. So is it not a repeating prophecy to show the six days? He's talking about the last days as in these days. 
Yes? Okay. You're not going to taste of death until you see the kingdom of God. Then he says six days later, he takes them up to the high mountain. A high mountain apart means we got to come out of the world. Should look like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world. <laughs> Shouldn't do the things that the world does. And he was transfigured before them. Let me just tell you what the Spirit is saying is we are going to be transfigured before. I don't know if we're going to walk around in bright clothes, but I believe that he's going to make of us a new man. And I mean a new man when we're going to hear. Look, how many angel visits do you suppose you'd get before you'd get a different attitude? How many times an audible voice speak to you and say, go here, go there, and you see great miracles, you start getting different attitudes. So there's a transfigured that happens there where his clothing got all white. But there's, he's saying it repeats, you see. It repeats. And it's repeating in our lifetime. His raiment became shining exceedingly white as snow, whiter than any fuller on earth could make white. There appeared in Elias Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Now, a lot of people think this is saying, oh, those are the two witnesses. Wrong. Moses is one of the two witnesses but not Elias. Elias has absolutely nothing to do with the last days. Are you sure, Stan? Yes, I am. I'll show you a scripture. I thought I'd put it right there. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay. Mark 9, 5. And Peter answered and said to them, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, and Elias. For he wished not what he had to say, for they were sore afraid. In other words, he didn't know what he was saying. Well, what he was saying was kind of gibberish. It was the wrong thing to say. But there was a cloud. What do clouds have to do with the last days? Well, let's see. The two witnesses went up in a cloud. When God spoke to Moses, there was a cloud. And we're probably going to see some clouds in our days. We're going to see miracles like no one has seen. You and I are going to see miracles in our lifetime. Before our heart stops beating, I really believe that this generation will see miracles like no one has seen going back to Adam. We're going to see miracles like the prophets of old desired to see and did not see. You and I are going to walk closer to God than any other generation. We are going to see visions. We're going to see dreams. Say, hear, we're going to see visions. We're going to dream dreams. We're going to hear voices. We're going to have angel visits. We're going to walk. Yes. It's going to be smack dab in the middle of the mark of the beast. It's going to be because there's a big war. How I many you know there's a war going on right now? Right now they got the war between the Democrats and Republicans. They got the war between the whites and the blacks. They got the war between the communists and the the the. the, the it's the C word is what I'm, and the capitalists, communists and the capitalists. Okay, all kinds of war. A cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. You know what? I think that that same voice is going to start speaking to us and saying, You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. Beloved son. Go out and use the name. Use my power to, to heal the sick. To call in the soul. Suddenly, when they looked around about, they saw no more man and saved Jesus and only themselves. As they came down off of the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the son would be risen from dead. He told them he was going to be sacrificed. But it went in one ear and out the other. Now here's my challenge this morning. 
is because what I'm battling this morning is the same thing with you. What I'm trying to get in your heart is the same thing. What? Because don't tell anybody until you've seen the Son of Man risen from the dead. Jesus was trying to convince them, I'm going to die. Great things are going to come. And the same thing is happening here this morning. Same. No, I'm not going to die. <laughs> no time soon anyway. But what I'm trying to say is great things are about to come. So they kept saying within themselves, questioning one another, what, what, what's he saying? They didn't understand Jesus. And right now, I'm afraid that some of us aren't understanding what Jesus is saying right now. Jesus to us is saying, Paul, get ready to lay hands on people. Scott, get ready to lay hands on people. Brandon, Tony, all the rest of you, get ready to lay hands on people. See the dead arise. See crowds come in, the people that didn't want to hear anything about Jesus, that the window shades drop. They don't want to hear none of that in time negative stuff. Just uh, let me tell you, when Justin jumps out of that wheelchair and goes running around the room, he's going to have quite a testimony. Amen. He's going to be like the guy that was at the, the gate. Wait a minute. Was this your son that was born blind? Is this your son that was crippled? At the well, this is our son. He was, he was crippled. He's at the gate. I don't know how. He well, only Justin can be saying, Jesus saved me. Jesus healed me. And they're going to say, Really? Yes. Talk about a testimony. Hallelujah. Those kind of things are coming. Amen. That's what he's trying to get me to tell you this morning. To get you to believe. To. It's been said a lie can go all the way around the world before truth gets his shoes on. I'm trying to say this morning this get your shoes on. This is good news. Good news coming from the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Really? And they ask him saying, Why say the scribes that Elias must first come? I tell you what, because they didn't understand the scriptures. Jesus corrects them though. He said, The answer told them, Actually, Elias... Verily cometh first to restoreth all things. How's it written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be sought at not? He's saying, yes, I'm going to die. I will suffer many things. I will be turned to where they believe I am nothing. But I say unto you, Elias has already come. He's already come. He's not going to be one of the two witnesses. As I used to at one time think. For this is he for whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily, means guaranteed, okay? Verily, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not been a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of God is, is greater than he. Meaning, if we make it into eternity, we'll be greater than John the Baptist. Because we will be in a light body, a sinless body that will live eternally. And even the least in the kingdom of heaven, that eternal kingdom, will be greater 
than John the Baptist was when he was on the earth. That, that's what he's saying. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Amen. What did we see with the election? Great. Cheating. What do we see with a lot of things? Lies. I mean, like this critical race theory. where they're, This is division. They're trying to turn the races against each other. Same thing they're doing in the NFL. I've watched my last NFL game. I'm done. I'm done. They, they touched the wrong thing. They're trying to divide my nation. So the evil take it by force. <clears throat> For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now that is a very misunderstood phrase. All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So that means all the prophecies have stopped since John the Baptist. No. But I'm telling you, that's what some people misunderstand that verse to say. And if you receive it, now here's the point. This is Elias, which was forced to come. Who? He's saying John the Baptist is Elias that was for to come. John the Baptist turned the hearts of the fathers to the children. He fulfilled that verse. So don't look for Elias. He is not going to be one of the two witnesses. I thought I put this in the scripture there. Did I not put it there? It's not showing up. All right. Continue on. Mark 9, 14. And when he came to his disciples... He saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. Okay, so here's the situation. Jesus had done so many miracles and his radio program had reached, no, his TV program had reached, no, his miracles, his name had reached so many people. <coughs> so a multitude had gathered. His disciples were there of the multitude. Jesus comes walking up. <coughs> he already knows what the conversation has been. And that these scribes, which are Jews that are unbelievers for the most part, are attacking his disciples. He understands what the situation is, and he's about to bring correction. And straightway all the people, when they had beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to see Jesus. They saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you questioning? What was your question? What are you trying to do? You're trying to embarrass my disciples. What was your question? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. <clears throat> okay, so what's he saying here? <coughs> Excuse me. I get this cough here lately. I think I got it from my granddaughter. She's a kissing post. She's so cute. So everybody, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, thank you very much. Sound like, uh, uh, yeah, Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. Anyway, she's a kissing post. Everybody, I mean, you look at her, you got to kiss her. And of course, I know I'm kissing and I'm, everybody else has already kissed her. And so I don't care, I got to kiss her too, so. I picked up some kind of a... Anyway. <clears throat> By the way, she thinks Poppy is just wonderful. I mean, even Leslie has to admit she thinks that she's a little, little, few days over one, one year old. And she says it's true. 
As soon as she sees Poppy, I'm Poppy. Okay. Okay. As soon as she sees Poppy, she starts screaming and smiling, and she had, Poppy has to pick her up. So, which I think is great because most babies, when they see me, they start crying. So. Yeah, I wish it was more funny, but unfortunately it's not that funny. It's Yeah, it's true. Anyway, what he's saying is, Spirit of Prophecy Church, when you see a deaf, dumb, blind, halt, when you see these kind of people, when you see people that don't know Jesus, in the time ahead, he's saying, I'm giving you my power, I'm giving you my spirit, walk out on the dock, and he, yeah, lay hands on him, pray. Use my name. Use my name. Are you ready to use my name? He's saying to us. That's the point this morning. It's the point last week, point before, point week before too. So I brought you my son. He has a dumb spirit. And whosoever he and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. He foameth, he gnashes his teeth, he cries, and he speaks to the disciples. And he says, How come, how come we couldn't cast him out? He says, how long shall I be with you? In other words, he's saying, guys, we've talked about this. All you have to do is have faith. So to us this morning, he's saying, Spirit of Prophecy Church, we've talked about this. What we have to do is have faith. We have to believe. That's what he's saying to us. <clears throat> how long shall I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Because the Spirit tears him. He fell on the ground, wallowing, foaming. How long has this been going on? He said, since a child. Oftentimes it throws him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. If you can do anything to help us, please help us. Jesus said to them. See, when I was sitting there on that beach, I was too uncomfortable. I was in another nation. I didn't speak English. It was a long walk down the beach, and I could come up with all kinds of excuses. But what he's trying to... I think that happened so that I could stand here today and say, look it. You know, you, you want to think it's easy to pray for somebody, but sometimes in a strange situation, maybe it's not. You know, maybe... I mean, like, here I was at the racquetball place. I don't know, 15, 20, maybe 20. I didn't count them people standing around. Here's this dead guy in front of me. This is my friend, my racquetball player. You know, it's a little uncomfortable to pray for somebody right there. You know, nobody else was praying for him. Just real quietly, Lord, bring him back in Jesus' name. Boom! As soon as I said Jesus. That's his, what he's trying to say to us today is, when those days hit, when that trouble comes, use my name. Believe. So he cast him in the fire. He says, if you can believe, a few things are possible. Uh, what? One? Now, are we saying that? Or are we believing that? Or we say it and then believe it. It's easy sitting in a church in a pew on Sunday morning to say that. 
But it might be hard sitting on a beach in another country someplace. But the name of Jesus is universal, right? If you can believe all things are possible to him, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my belief. Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to them, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was one as dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And we was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, Hey, how come we couldn't pass, cast him out? Ah, very good answer, very good question. This kind cometh, not, cometh for nothing by prayer. What? See, if you look at the two versions, what's the difference? What's the difference? See, this is the inspired King James Version. This kind come forth by, forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. But the NIV, the not inspired version, Mark 9, 29 says, He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Why did they take out fasting? Because the devil wrote it and he doesn't want us having the power. How many of you fast every week? Five. Well, let me invite you to join the fast track at least every Tuesday night. From midnight to Wednesday the next day, we fast. And I think we're coming into the 800, somewhere around 890 weeks. Every week, we fast. Fasting once a week is a pretty good thing to do. Maybe that had something to do with me laying hands on that guy that night. I don't know. All I know is I saw the power in the name of Jesus. And I can tell you that the not inspired version, the NIV version, like Leslie told this morning, what happened was uh, <clears throat> I had a, a computer it had the King James Version on this side and the NIV Version on this side. And you just arrow down and it just jumps up the different versions. And we were going through there and all of a sudden, it wasn't just a word or two missing. It was an entire verse. Well, I've since discovered that like about a fourth of the New Testament has been removed in the not inspired version. The other perversions don't read those either ones. Only King James. King James. And like she said also, here's the difference. If you quote the NIV, like Bill Snedlin said, he says, if you use any of the other versions against a demon, nothing happens. It's not until you start using the King James Version. Why? Because the devils know that's not the Word of God. Now, maybe the Christians don't know. Maybe the Christians think that's the Word of God. But the devils know that's not the Word of God. They don't have to obey it. He said it's only with the King James Version. There's 400 different versions of the Bible. Did you know that? 400 different versions? Oh, really? Now he tells me it's 435. <clears throat> Probably in counting. 
and I'll take his name out of the book of life and out of the holy city. Uh, yeah, there's some bad things happen to those people that change the word of God. Anyway, King James only. King James only. So, back to what we're talking about. This kind's come forth nothing but by prayer and fasting. So, that tells us if we want to be used in the days ahead, fasting should be a regular thing we're doing. Jesus again foretells his death and resurrection. They parted thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. And he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. Here it is, here it is. And they shall kill him. That's pretty direct. And after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Anybody see anything interesting in there? Anybody see anything interesting there? Is he saying that on the third day he's going to return? Okay, well, let's take that. <clears throat> so the question then becomes, if a thousand years is a day, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, and if he's telling us after the third day, just like Hosea 6.2 says, after two days he'll revive us, and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. So let's go with that. So when would that be? Well, then the question becomes, when do you start counting those 2,000 years? Is that at the conception of Jesus, at his birth, at his uh, baptism, at his death, his burial, his resurrection? Or is that when the sheet came down and the gospel went over to the, uh, the, the, the Gentiles? When do you start counting? Would you like to know the answer? The answer is here. For those of you online, I'm pointing to first fruits. Oh, wait, didn't I put a... Man, I thought I put a... Nah, I guess I didn't. I'm sorry. I was thinking I put one of my charts in here so I could show you. Anyway. So, Jesus arose from the dead on first fruits. If you insert 2,000 years, he returns again 2,000 years on or about, unless he delays. Unless he delays. That's the problem. And he delays. But somewhere on about or around 2,000 years later. Now the question is, <clears throat> when did he arise at the grave? If you do some research, and I have, the experts can't agree. Some people say, it was 29 AD. Others people say, no, 30 AD. Others say 31 AD. Okay, well, let's take 31 A.D. Let's add 2,000 years, so that would put Jesus returning on about around or possibly as early as shortly after 2031, right? But maybe it's 30. See, again, we don't know exactly. But we will know when we hear that Revelation 6, 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. Hopefully we get to hear that noise of thunder. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> getting off track here. Yeah, where was? Okay, the third day. So the Son of Man is delivered in the hands of man. So he told him he was going to die and they shall kill him after that is killed and he shall rise the third, rise the third day or return the third day. 
I want to say that that means on about or around somewhere around 2028, 2029, 2030, 2031, or 2032. Stan, that's not very specific. No, but that's probably pretty accurate. That's about as close as we can get. But what does that say to us? That says that the tribulation is not far away. Now, if it's, say, 2031, that's uh, 10 years from now. Tribulation's seven years long, so we could be only a few years away from hitting the tribulation. So if you think you're going to live another 10 years, and i just about to turn 68, and I do, that means I'm probably going to be alive to see the start of the tribulation, to see a lot of the tribulation. I don't think I'll make it to the end of the tribulation. But what I'm trying to say is it's very close. Now, here's the point of the message this morning is, if it's that close, and if the great revival takes place before the tribulation, when do you suppose it might start? Correct answer, soon. Possibly this year, possibly next year. 2020 is 400 years from the Mayflower Compact. 2020 is 40 years from the time that judgment was spoken over America. So it is my belief that the hand of God, the promise of God, lifted off of America sometime around November of 2020. And that means that at this time, we're either on our own or we're not under the Constitution anymore. Maybe we're under now his kingship. I'm not sure. But I am pretty sure that we're looking at miracles really soon. You agree? Okay. So he came to Capernaum. Being in the house, he was asked, what was it? that you were disputing about yourselves, by the way. But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same should be last of all and servant of all. Meaning, if we want to walk in miracles, angel visits, dreams, visions, we want to be that close to the Lord, what we have to do is not try to be the greatest, but to be the servant of all. What you saw here this morning was someone saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be your servant. I'm going to serve you. And I want you to teach me. I want you to train me. And you can watch what's going to happen in Melissa's life now. <clears throat> As a result of that, she will grow spiritually. So he took a child, set the child in the midst of him when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receives me. Whosoever receives me receives not me only, we would say, but him that sent me. John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followed not us. We forbade him because he followed not us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me, for he that is not against us is on our part. Here's the way we would say it. If they're, not for, if they're not against us, they're for us. Why did he put that in there right after he's been talking about miracles? He's saying, don't use the excuse to just stay in your chair. 
it's time to get off the beach, walk down the dock, and lay hands on that woman. He's saying, don't think you can't do it just because in person I didn't lay hands on you and say you can do it. He has already said you can do it. And for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Meaning, as you go out and minister before the Lord in the days ahead, those people that come to help you will be rewarded. Read it again. Whosoever shall give you a cup of water or drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily, means for surely, I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Those people that come in to help the servants of the Lord, that's what you're going to be. May not be full-time. On the other hand, you might be full-time. But as you go out, preaching and teaching and laying hands on. You'll be doing Bible studies. You'll be teaching Bible prophecy. As you go out doing those, understand those people that are giving to you and helping to you, God will take care of them. God will reward them. <clears throat> and if your hand offend thee, cut it off. What? Wait a minute. For it is better for you to enter into life or enter into eternity maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall never be, never be quenched. For their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. The whole earth that is at rest... Uh, wait a minute. No, I, I'm, no, no, I'm not going to have time to cover that. I know you hate me to skip over stuff, but I don't have time. That's, that's, that's deep, so let's go on. See, what I do is sometimes I put some extra stuff, so if I have some extra time, I can do some extra... But I don't have the extra time, so I've got to... Skip by the extra stuff. That's okay, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good group. <clears throat> so if your foot offends you, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into, into eternity having two feet than to be cast into hell uh, having two feet, I should say, into a fire that may never be quenched. For the worm dies not, the fire is not quenched. What's he saying? He's saying, men, if you can't get the porn out of your eyeballs, it's better for you to pluck your eyes out than to be cast in hell. Men, if you can't control You got the message. <laughs> you got the message. He's saying, serve the Lord, do it right. If you can't do it right one way, do it right another, but do it right. Everyone shall be salted with fire. He's saying here, when he returns, the fire hits everyone. That morning star, it hits everything on earth, including the earth. The difference is the tares fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones. When it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water and we get a glorified body. But we're all salted with fire. We're all covered with fire. And every sacrifice should be salted with salt. <clears throat> salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savoriness, we would say it this way, if the Christian has lost its righteousness, it is worthless and to be tossed out and trodden underfoot. Uh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Now let's go to this. We're out of time. 
Leslie said, actually she said for the last couple of days, she says, I've got to where I can't watch the news anymore. It's just too depressing. I said, yeah, you know, when Trump was in, watching the news was a lot of fun to see how he was kicking the devil around and cleaning up our nation. That was a lot of fun. But now, <clears throat> if, if I look at the world, if I look at the things in the world and the things that are coming on all the inside information that I have and all of the dreams and the vision, all the, all the, all the prophecy, all the, all the, all the, everything. If I just look at what there is out there right now, I would say that America doesn't have long. And I think you'd probably agree. But God, if God doesn't do something on short order, I think America is about to run out of time. So, how do we get God to do something? Pray. Well, just how much should we pray? Just individually, or do you think if we gathered together, it would be more powerful? Yeah. And, you know, these kind cometh not out by, by rare and... You mean, you are you kind of saying that we should gather together? gather in a meeting to pray and to fast and that that we we would have more power how many people should gather together lots yeah the whole nation ideally well i'd like to think at least 500 and like freddie said the other day he says i think something's going to happen before the solemn assembly so what we've done is we're calling a solemn assembly. <clears throat> Why? So Stan can make a lot of money? Well, at $25 a person coming in, let me tell you, that ain't making, that's losing money. That's the way you lose money. So it's not about money. Well, what is it about? It's about a group of Christians that know about the suitcase nuke, know about Dimitri, know about the Bible prophecy. They see the sin in our nation. And it's about a group of Christians that are on fire, born again, probably tongue-talking, that are saying, Devil, we're going to kick you in the teeth. And the way we're going to do that is by the power and blood of Jesus Christ. Because we're going to gather together and we're going to lock arms. We're going to blow our shofar trumpets and we're going to declare war against you. And for 48 hours, a group of Christians from all of this nation to come together. We're going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to destroy evil in high places, principalities and powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. We're going to cast out the Moloch and the ball worshipers that believe in human sacrifice and sex with children and human trafficking and drug trafficking. We're going to cast them out with our prayers. Well, what makes you think you, you can do that? Because all power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy was given to us. We have it. It's what comes out of our mouth that we have more power than the devil. So we're getting a group of people that believe that together. Believe that enough to, yeah, pay 25, 25 bucks ain't nothing. Because that's going to cost, most people are going to have to get on an airplane. There's going to be some hotel However, we, we, we decided to cut out the expenses of the meals. 
So there's no expenses for the meals for this meeting. Matter of fact, let's just fast for 48 hours. These cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. I think that America, I think if George Washington were here, I think if Thomas Jefferson were here, he would say, absolutely, America, gather together for a solemn September assembly on the Feast of Trumpets. No, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is more convenient. It would be better to hold a meeting then. We'd probably have two or three times more people coming. But we're doing it on the Feast of Trumpets. There's a good possibility that something big and spectacular could happen on the Feast of Trumpets. So here it is. Go to watchmanstrumpet.com. Watchmanstrumpet.com. Get signed up to come. Gives you all the details. Also, encourage you to become a ministry member. Not just a visitor, but actually join what we're doing spiritually before God. And you do that by clicking right there. Become a ministry member. And also, if you're online, click like, share, and subscribe. And the little blue arrow here means if you'll scroll down below, there's a line down there. And you can click and you can donate. You can join us too. <clears throat> anyway, I'm going to sc scroll through these and put them all up there. But I want to tell you a story. We'd had meetings in Topeka, Kansas for, I don't know, at least four or five years every month. Have a different speaker come in, and this one lady sat in this one chair, same chair every week. She was, or every every month, one of the first ones coming to the meeting. We all thought she was saved, but all of a sudden, at the end of the meeting, I raised my hand. I says, "Now, is there anyone who just prayed that prayer for the very first time?" She raised her hand. She'd been coming to meetings for several years, had never accepted Jesus. So I never know when someone has or has not accepted Jesus. So I'm going to do it real short and quick. I saw another angel flying through heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to them that dwell on the earth to every people, nation, language, and tongue. And he cried with a loud voice, saying, Fear God and worship him that made the heavens and the earth and the seas and the fountains of waters. In the very simplest of terms, that is the simplest way to get saved. As I said to one guy, tech support, I said, just say, Jesus be my God. And he said, Jesus be my God. I've often wondered what happened to that guy because I know something happened because he said, Jesus be my God. So I'm going to pray a real short prayer this morning. You people online, I know there's someone watching now that has not received Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Look into the, into the TV, into the computer. Even more so, look up to God and say, Jesus, be my God. Jesus, be my God. Now, go in to read your King James Bible and start learning all about Jesus. God bless you and thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for watching. If you have prayer requests, come on up. I'd be happy to pray for you. The buckets are open and the... Blue line below online is open. Yes, ma'am.